good morning, everybody. How y'all doing today? Y'all glad to be in church. I'm so glad to be with you all this morning as uh, every Sunday I usually park down the road at Pelicans. And as I was making the walk up this morning, I just had the thought about uh, what David said when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I'm just so glad to be in church with all of you today and just want to say welcome. And I also just want to say welcome to everyone who is with us online, all of our family who watches every single week. Come on, can we give a big welcome to all of our online family joining us this morning? Yeah, so good to be with you all. And I just want to celebrate. So last weekend was our uh, Easter weekend celebration. And I I just want to celebrate you guys. The end result of that one weekend with all six services combined was that we had 153 salvations. People who said yes to Jesus. Come on, that's something to give God praise for. That's awesome. And so with that in mind, I do want to let you know that coming up is our small group semester for the summer, and we're gearing up for that now with small group leader registration. And you heard Kimberly on the screen say that we got the uh, table for you in the lobby. And so I say that to say we've got 153 people who made a decision for Jesus that are going to need to be discipled through small groups. And so what that means is there's some of you who have been in groups for a while, and it's time for you to take that next step and lead a group. And so if you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you uh, to just take that next step, you can go get more information on that in the lobby. But you won't do it alone. We have a team that's going to walk with you through it, train you, prepare you, all those things. Um, So that's something you can be praying about as if it's time for you to lead a small group. Also, next week, we have baptism. So if you have been waiting for the chance to get baptized, that would be next Sunday. Every first Sunday of the month, we always do baptism. But maybe you were one of those last weekend who began a relationship with Jesus, and this would be the perfect opportunity for you to take the next step. We believe as a church that the next step after salvation is water baptism to publicly declare um, our relationship with Jesus, that Jesus gave us that as an example in Scripture. And so I would just encourage you and know that um, we have everything that you would need if you happen to be here unprepared. But you don't have to sign up. You can just show up, although you can register for it online on our website. Um, And I also just would let you know that today is step three of the growth track, um, and that's going on right now, and it'll be taking place in the 1130 service. So if you've already done steps one or steps two, today would be the day that you can join a team in step three. If you haven't began yet, I would just, we would recommend that you begin that next week on the first of the month along with step one. But So today, we're actually going to be jumping into a brand new series, and usually we would do, um, uh, a lot of times we take the approach of doing a topical approach to series, so we talk about a certain topic. In this series, what we're going to be doing is we're actually doing a series on the book of Galatians, so we're actually going to just be going through it chapter by chapter and talking about what God would say to us as a church through the book of Galatians. And I I just would let you know that Galatians, the the main theme that you'll see recurring throughout the book of Galatians is it's a lot about freedom. So I would say like there's many of you here who you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. Praise God for that, right? Um, Praise the Lord for that. And maybe you've even gotten free from some things. But what Galatians is going to be talking to us about is how do we, it's going to be talking about freedom, but also it's going to be talking about how do I stay free? Like, how do I walk this thing out every day? Because, I mean, you know, I know sometimes some of y'all get frustrated and you just want to smack a coworker outside the head, right? And so, like, how do I walk this out as a Christian every day? How do I live this out? And so we're going to be talking about how to stay 
free. But I want to tell you the book of Galatians is what we would consider, it's what we would consider an epistle. And what that word really means is that it's a letter. Um, and so this is the way, the, the reason it's a letter is because there was a guy in the Bible named the Apostle Paul. So that word apostle means that what Paul did most of the time was he would go and he would plant churches in different places. So um, he wasn't a pastor in the sense of like Pastor Ben is the pastor of City Hope Church. He wasn't a pastor in that sense. He was an apostle. So what he would do is he would go to different places. He would plant a church. He would establish it. He would establish leadership, appoint a pastor, get it healthy, and then he would move somewhere else and he would do it all over again. And so he would do it in different places. And the place of Galatia was, the the church in Galatia was one of the places where Paul happened to plant a church. So the book of Galatians is a letter written to the church of Galatia. The reason he would write these letters is because this was the way he could stay in contact with them. It was a form of sustaining the church, keeping the church healthy, keeping the church on track theologically. So in these, in these books, you'll see that Paul, not, he, he gives encouragement, but he also gives some correction in here as well. And we're going to walk through that. By the way, Galatia would be located in what we would call modern day Turkey. Okay, not like turkey on the Thanksgiving table, but like the place, turkey, okay? So um, that's where Galatia would be located now. And so Paul plants this church, and we're going to take today, and we're going to focus on chapter 1. Now, we'll only be focusing on a small portion of chapter 1, because the majority of the chapter, if you went and read it, you would see that Paul's talking a lot about his personal calling, um, and and he's identifying his calling and how God called him in his story. But we're going to focus on the first half of chapter 1 today, and let's go ahead and get into it. And so it starts out in verse 1 and 2, and he says, he's really introducing himself here. He says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, and he says, to the churches in Galatia. So what's coming next is straight to the churches in Galatia. But I just want to stop here for a moment because I think this part is so important that as Paul is introducing himself, he lets us know, he lets us know that I wasn't sent by a man. I wasn't, I'm not coming to you sent by a man. I'm sent to you by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was raised up from the dead, like the one who has all power and all authority. And I just think that's so important because essentially what Paul is telling you is like, what I'm getting ready to tell you was given to me by, by God. Like, this was given to me by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ. I didn't conjure up what I'm about to write. No one else told me to say this. This came straight from Jesus Christ himself. So you need to listen to what I'm saying is essentially what Paul is saying. And by the way, I want you to know that because we believe that the Bible, like we like to say that that man held the pen, but God wrote the book because it is inspired by God. And I say that to let you know that you can bank on what the Bible says. You can build your life on what the Bible says. You can apply it into your life and you can live by it. And so that's what Paul is getting ready to tell them. So he says, to the churches in Galatia, and he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And the church said a good amen. Amen. Awesome. So what Paul is telling them here is he's, he's reminding them about Jesus. He's reminding them of the sacrifice 
of Jesus on the cross, that Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from our sins and from this present evil age. And by the way, it's the will of God that you would be saved by Jesus. Like the Bible tells us that it's the will of God that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. And I think that's something we all just take a second and give God praise for. Come on, let's give God praise for that. That his will is that we would be saved. He's a good God. He's a good father. His will is that we would be rescued. And ultimately, that's why he sent us Jesus. And so then if we move on to verse 6 and 7, Paul gets into, so he was giving them some grace and peace at first, a little bit of encouragement. Now he's getting on to a little bit of correction. And he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He gets a little attitude here and says, which, by the way, it's really no gospel at all. And evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, okay? So there's a lot going on right here, and we're going to break it down. So what has happened that Paul is talking about is essentially he's saying, I'm so shocked. Like, I came and preached to you the grace of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus, and I'm shocked that you're turning away from it so quickly and you're following a different message. He says, evidently, there's some people who've come along and they've thrown you into confusion. More specifically, who those people were is it's a group of Jews who came in after Paul planted the church and he left. But this group of Jews came in and essentially what they start telling them is they say, for you to be godly, for you to get to God, what they're telling them actually is like, you need to be circumcised. Like, that's exactly what they're telling them. They're like, you can't be like God unless you get circumcised. And so like Jews, they had that take place when like they were babies. Um, but now they're telling grown men like, hey, you got to be, if you want to be like God, you got to get circumcised. I mean, that'd be kind of like in step three today, we're having a sur- surgical procedure for all the men, for those of you who want to join the church, right? And all the men are like, no, thank you. I'm not going to, th- I'm, I'm not going to step three, um, let my wife go join for us, right? Everybody's wives be, you just go in and sign the paper for us and, you know, I'm not going to be in there, right? And so that's essentially like what they're saying is you've got to do this in order to be like God. And so what he's really saying is it's a performance-based gospel. It's like I've got to do more to get to God. And that's what they're telling them and it's causing this confusion. But what I would say is in our lives, Not with that exact example, but in our lives, we tend to live the same way and do the same thing that even myself, we often tend to veer towards a performance-based gospel, a performance-based religion where we think we have to pray more and we have to read more and we have to do more to get to God. And we think it's, it's all about what we do and that's what Paul's addressing here and he's helping them get back on track. And so... He's helping us realize that we're saved only by the grace of Jesus Christ, only by the goodness of God, not of good works. Paul says in another verse, not of good works, lest any man should boast. We're saved only by grace through faith. And that's what Paul is trying to help the church in Galatia see. Now, it's so important because this deals with our mindset towards God. And we need to have the right mindset about God because our mindset about God will affect our relationship with God. And and so it's so vital that we view God in the right light. So today, we're going to answer the question of how am I going to become godly? In other words, what is my approach going to be to get to God? What's my approach going to be 
in serving God? How, how am I going to view God? And this is really a foundational que- question that all Christians have to answer. Um, and it's really so foundational that it shows up in the very beginning of the Bible, in the garden, in the book of Genesis. And I'm going to show it to you. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle, notice in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And some of you have probably, uh, if you grew up in church, you've heard this story before, and maybe you even saw the pictures where Eve, they're standing there, and Eve had long hair because she's covering everything up, and she's standing there holding an apple, and it has a big bite bitten out of it. But actually, the Bible doesn't say that it was an apple. But what these two trees represent is they represent the two different approaches to God. Ultimately, they represent the approaches of God that that Paul is pointing out to us in Galatians. And I'm going to show you that the tree of life is get to God through Jesus. Like Jesus already paid the bill. So I'm going to go through the grace of Jesus and get to God. And by the way, this is God's way. This is his will for you. We read it just a second ago that it's God's will that you would be saved through Jesus. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil represents get to God through my own knowledge. Get to God through my own works, my, my own good works, and it, this is my way. And by the way, it doesn't work out very good for us when we try to go this route. And so what we see is it said, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. And so when God's saying they would die, he wasn't necessarily talking they were like going to drop dead physically. He's really talking about spiritually they were going to die. That like they would die a spiritual death. And then the next verse, the devil shows up in the form of a serpent. And it says the serpent, he was more crafty than any of the animals that God had made. And so he says to the woman, did God really say? He starts to make her question what, what God had commanded him to do. Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree? in the garden. And the woman said to him, we can eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say that we can't eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and that we must not even touch it because if we did, we would die. And then the the serpent says, you will not die. You're not going to die. And this is in direct opposition. He comes and says something in direct opposition to what God had commanded them to do is what the enemy does here. And he said, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I think this is so interesting because what the enemy does here is he he, he appeals to her desire to be godly. He appeals to her desire to be like God. He says, you won't die. God just knows that if you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. He plays on her desire, and it's not bad that she wanted to be like God. That wasn't the problem. The problem was her, the path that she chose to try to get there because she tried to go through the tree of knowledge of good and evil rather than the way that Jesus had already, rather than the way that God had already provided for her. And so it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. 
And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And later on in the story, what you see is that God sees them, and he's like, where did these clothes come from? And they're like, uh, we made them. And he's like, why? And they said, we were naked. He said, who told you you were naked? You weren't supposed to know that. But they knew because when they disobeyed God and they chose the tree of knowledge and good and evil, shame entered and then there came a loss of innocence. And because they lost that innocence, they felt shame and they sewed fig leaves together to make clothes for themselves. And I would say that any time that we choose to try to get to God through our own works, you're going to find shame, you're going to find condemnation, you're going to find loss of innocence. And something in your life, just as God said, something in your life will die. It may not be your physical body, but maybe your marriage dies. Maybe your relationship dies. Your innocence dies. You get condemnation in your life. You feel shame hovering over your head. And so this story shows us the two different approaches to get to God through the tree of life and through the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And that's essentially what Paul is saying in the book of Galatians. By the way, that story and that teaching is very similar to week one of our freedom groups that we do. And if you've never been to freedom, uh, I, I would highly recommend that at some point you go through our freedom groups that, that we do here um, at the church. It'll really help you with your approach to God. And so without having more time to get deeper into this story, I want to just show you three different ways that we can determine the two different approaches to God, the two different gospels that Paul is talking about in the book of Galatians. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these down. And here's the first one, is that one focuses on what you do. So this is that performance-based gospel that I was telling you about a minute ago. It's like, you've got to read your Bible more, read more chapters. You've got to pray longer, more, more time in prayer. And those things are good, but the problem with this thinking is, is we think that we have to do it to get to God. Not that we do it because we love God. Not that we do it because we enjoy being with God. We're doing it because we think that we have to do it. It's because it's about what I do. Um, by the way, I want you to know, y'all know that the, the word gospel means good news, right? It means good news. If I'm only saved by what I do, that's not very good news for me, okay? I just want you to know that. That's not very good news. The good news is that God sent his son Jesus while we were still in our sin to die on the cross for us, that he rose again, and, and that he gives us life, and that we're saved by the grace of God. Like, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Trust me, I don't deserve it. Like, I, I don't deserve this life that God has given me. But the grace of God and the goodness of God, through our faith, he saves us. And to me, like, that's something in my life that I still sometimes, like, I just can't fathom the grace of God. How I could live and I could make the mistakes that I've made and do the things that I've done. But he loved me anyways. And he still forgave me anyways. And he still shows me grace. Like, it's the amazing grace of God. Like, it's not about what I do because it's about what Jesus has already done. It focuses on what Jesus has already done for me. And Jesus says it to us here in John 5. He says, you diligently search the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is calling them out here. He's like, 
You study the scriptures and you memorize the Bible and you do the act of studying scripture and you do all these things because, because you think that your, your knowledge and your theology gets you eternal life, but you're missing the point. Like the point is that the Bible is about me. It testifies about me, yet you still refuse to come to me. It's religion. It's religion. It's not relationship. You're refusing to come to me. So like we don't read the Bible we don't, we don't read the Bible because the act of reading the Bible saves us. We read the Bible to try to see Jesus in the book. We read the Bible to, to try to come closer to God and to try to have a better relationship with Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And I know, I don't know if you felt this way, but personally, in my life, like every time I missed my day of devotion, I felt like, well, that was a check against you, Caleb. Like in my mind, I'm like, that's what God's saying. Is, well, that was a check on him. Oh, missed prayer this Saturday? Check. Strike two. One more. I don't know what we're going to do with you. Like, that's how I felt growing up and at times in my life. It's like I felt like it was about what I do. Can I tell you that that's just not true? It's not. We are saved by grace through faith, a gift that none of us could earn, a gift that none of us deserve. It's the goodness of God. But that thought, that mindset of focusing on what I do, it's the other gospel. It's the other gospel that Paul is telling us about because the true gospel focuses on what Jesus already did. It's about having a relationship, a vibrant, life-giving, love relationship between us and between God. Can I tell you, you don't have to do anything to get to God except accept the free gift. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything. Now, there would be a hyper grace teaching out there that would say it don't matter what you do. Like, you can live like whatever and do whatever. I'm not teaching that to you today. I'm not saying that today. What I'm saying is that you don't have to get your life right to get to God. You got to get to God to get your life right. I'm saying that, that God sees you and he loves you. And when we experience the grace of God, like you know the song Amazing Grace, because it's amazing. When we experience the amazing grace of God, it'll produce good works in our lives. It'll produce good works. And I would say, if my life is not producing good works, maybe I need to examine which gospel I'm really following. Maybe I need to determine, am I living in the tree of life or am I living in the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Let's go to the next one. The second one is that one focuses on getting God's approval. There's an organization called Gallup Research. They did a study a few years back, and the big discovery that they found was that in America, there's different views of God based on geography. So like in the West, the, the people that are in the West, grew up in the West, they have a certain view of God. In the South, people have a different view of God. And Texas is considered in the South. Can you guess what the primary view of God was in the South? You want to know what it was? It was that God's mad at me. God's mad at me and he's hard to please. I don't know if you ever felt that way. I don't know if you grew up feeling that way. I know I personally experienced that feeling. I know I personally remember growing up feeling like God's mad at me. Like I can never please him. I remember feeling that way. Like I had a friend one time when I was living in Alabama who had evidently had this feeling because, and, and had bought into this because, like, I think a lot of people pray over their dinner, like their family meal, all that. People pray over their meal, right? 
Well, my friend, he, I guess he thought he was real holy because he prayed over every bite, y'all. Every, and because he was even an extra dose of holy, it was every, every sip. He would pray over it. Like, I'm serious. I remember one time we were sitting in the movies and we were watching some movie. And I hear this guy over here and he's just like mumbling and like talking to himself. And I'm watching the movie and I'm like, what is he doing? And finally I just say, hey, what are you saying? Like, are you trying to talk to me? Like, what's going on over here? And he's like, oh, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, you're driving me nuts. Like, we're in the movies and you're over here talking to somebody and nobody's there. Like, I don't know what you're doing. And so I start examining and I'm looking out the corner of my eye trying to figure out what he's doing. And I realize... Every time he grabs the popcorn, he's like, oh, dear Lord Jesus, please bless this popcorn. Bless it for our body and Jesus' name. <laughs> and then he grabs the soda, and it's like, oh, Lord, please bless this Coca-Cola. I thank you so much for it. And go back to watching the movie. Oh, Lord, bless this popcorn. I'm not kidding. Every time, I'm like, you're driving me nuts, man. And, like, I don't think God wants that. <laughs> like, I think God has emotions like us, you know? Like, I think that might get on God's nerves a little bit. That he just doing <laughs> I really do. I really do. Like, and, but I don't think God wants that out of us because we don't have to try to prove ourselves to get to God. We don't, we don't have to try to gain God's approval. All we have to do is receive God's love. We just have to receive the love that already exists, the love that God already has for us. Can I tell you this, that God sees your sin? He sees your flaws. He sees your mistakes, and he loves you anyway. He does. Like, God knows what you did last night, and he loves you anyways. He still loves you. He still does. Don't misunderstand me. He don't like the sin. He don't love the sin, but he's crazy about you. And he loves you, and all he wants out of you is a relationship with you. And I think if he could get a relationship with you, he might work on some of that stuff later. But his primary concern is you because you're his child, and he loves you. And he cares about you. He loves you. And and that's all we have to focus on. This is the true gospel. This is the gospel of grace. It focuses on the love of God. And this is so important because it affects our mindset. And I said it a minute ago. But our mindset about God will determine our relationship with God. Like how we view him, how we view him plays into how we act with him. Like it kind of plays out like this. You came to church this week and... You're sitting here in worship, but you know in the back of your mind there's a couple of things you did last week that maybe weren't the best things for you to do, right? And we're, we're singing worship songs, and then you start feeling it, you know, and you're feeling drawn to the Lord, and you start clapping, and then you hear that voice that says, well, you know what you did on last Monday? And you think, well, I better not clap too loud, because if I did, I'd know I'd be a hypocrite if I start clapping too hard. When everything else in your heart is drawing you to God. You're being drawn, and and because of your mindset of God, you're missing out on being able to connect with him in a moment of worship because you think that he's mad at you because of what you did. Can I show you this in the book of Romans 5? It says that God shows us his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, Jesus didn't wait for humanity to clean their act up to die on the cross. He died on the cross so that humanity could clean their act up. That's why he did it. That's why he get to, went to the cross was so that we could have another way, so that we could have another path, another life. Like last week, Pastor Ben spoke about those guards that they were whipping Jesus with the cat of nine tails. 
I want you to know that as they were whipping him, literally mutilating his flesh, as they were nailing the nails into his hands and into his feet, he had nothing but love for those guys. Nothing but love for those guards. How could he love someone who's doing such violence to him? It's the love of God that already exists. And in his mind, he was dying so that even the ones who were killing him, that they could find salvation if they chose. He, doesn't, he knew that we were going to have a choice. And he still went to the cross anyways. It's the amazing grace of God. I love this verse in 1 John chapter 4. It says that we love because he first loved us. Like God made the first move to you. He made the first move. He loves you so much that he gave everything, his entire life on the cross. And so we don't worship God. We don't serve God based on how good or bad we were last week. We serve God. We worship God because he loved us first. And so in response to that love, we give our lives to him. And we, Because I can't give enough of my life to him. Like, he paid a debt that I couldn't pay. And, like, last time I checked, I, I checked yesterday so that I could see if I could say it or not. Nobody's still in line to pay for my sins. They're not. Only Jesus. He's the only one who ever went to the cross for my sins. It's his love. And because he did that for me, I can't give enough of my life to him. I serve him. It focuses on the love that God has for us. And here's the third one, is that one focuses on external duty. So this is like, I didn't want to do it, but I did. I don't, I don't want to serve today, but I, I guess I'll go up there anyways and serve anyways. Go help these stupid kids back here. Go back here and city kids and serve. Really don't want to be here today, but whatever. Wipe these noses and guess I'll go tell them about Jesus, how much Jesus loves them. Like, we do it because we have to do it. Like, I ain't going to be a good Christian if I don't go do it. It's a, it's a duty. I feel obligated. Like, I feel obligated to do this or else I'm not a good Christian. And that is the wrong gospel because the right one focuses on an internal desire. It's like, I get to do this. It's not like the spirit of Eeyore. It's like the spirit of Tigger. It's like, I get to be here, man. Like, yeah, I'm bouncing around and I'm full of joy and life and I get to serve God. I get to worship God. I get to be at church. I get to go change these poopy diapers back here and tell babies about Jesus. Like, woo, I get to do it. And it's, it focuses on an internal desire. You know, on, on backstage on each side here, when we first got into this building, Pastor Ben had some signs installed, and they say, one of them says, it's a privilege to be on this platform. Thank you, God, for choosing me. And you may have heard Pastor Ben say this before about how he, he kind of slaps it like his game day sign every week. And it's like, thank you, God, that I get to do this. And I do the same thing when I get to be up here because it's like, I can't believe that God called me. Like, it's a joy of my life to get to do this. I love what I get to do every day. Like, I love that I get to serve God the way that I get to serve. It's the joy of my life. Like, I don't know what God saw in me because my teachers definitely didn't see it because, I mean, I was in the office all the time, you know, and... They definitely didn't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today, but I mean, God saw something in me. Like a punk high school student, God saw something in me, and he called me, and he gave me a purpose, and I get to do this. Like we, tell our, we like to tell our, uh, our dream team has that mindset. The dream team is the people that make all this happen. It's our, our team of volunteers. Shout out to the dream team. Love you guys. 
And we like to say, we get to do this. We get to be a part of God's kingdom. And you know, last week we had six Easter services. There were dream teamers who were here at all six services. Like nobody paid them to be here. Nobody forced them to be here. They just wanted to be here serving. Like they just wanted to come serve because they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. Like they volunteered to be here that much time on Easter weekend because they're like, I get to do this. And like some of these guys, I'm like, hey, y'all need to take a break. Y'all need to sit down. Like I need to get a stick out and beat them away from serving. Like because they just love it so much. And it's like, I get to do this. It's that mindset of get to. It's, a, it's because it's the joy of our lives to be able to serve God. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, he says, this is love for God to obey his commands. And a lot of people would stop there and they would say, see, there's the performance. If you don't obey God's commands, then you must not love him because love for God is obeying his commands, right? Read the next line. And his commands are not burdensome. Some people would say, even I in my life at times have said, oh yeah, they are burdensome. Like God's asking a lot out of me. But maybe the reason I felt that way is because I didn't have a relationship with God. I was doing religion. I wasn't doing relationship because he who has the son has life. He who has a relationship with Jesus has life. Can I tell you about this part right here? If you don't have a relationship with God, it will be burdensome. The Bible will be the hardest thing that you ever tried to do. Christianity will make you miserable if you don't have a relationship with God. But he who has the son, he who has a relationship with the son has life. But he who does not have the son of God, he who doesn't have a relationship with God does not have life. And if you try to do religion, it'll be miserable. You'll be miserable your whole life. Some of you grew up in religion and you've been miserable your whole life. And it's because you've been missing out on the relationship side of things. I know because I was there. It's a relationship with God that brings life. So the next part of this, I'm about to get ready to start wrapping this up. And I just want to talk about how, how do we live in the tree of life every day? How do, we, how do we live in this gospel that Paul's talking about? And the first thing we have to do is we have to fall in love with Jesus. We have to fall in love with Jesus. And some people say, well, that sounds simple, but how do I do that? I would say when you know who God is and when you know what he's done, you'll be at, your response will be love. Like when you have that aha moment that I'm a sinner and without Jesus, like I'm doomed. But he saved me. He rescued me. He transformed my life. And when you realize who he is, that the Lord is your shepherd, that he leads you to green pastures and still waters. When you realize who he is, that he's your healer, that he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. When you realize that he's your protector, when you realize that he's all these things in your life, your response for him will be love. It'll be love. But you gotta know who he is and you gotta know what he's done. The Bible tells us in John 14, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And a lot of people, even I read this for a long time, thinking it was saying that Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll do what I said. And like, if you ain't doing what I said, don't you even come up in here trying to act like you love me, right? That's why when we come into church, it's like, should I? Like, am I going to get struck if I, if I, don't, don't you even act like you love me if you ain't doing what I said to do. But when we get in the tree of life, we read it a little differently. When we get in the tree of life, we read it like, 
if you love me, you will. As in, like, that'll be the result. That'll be the response if you love me first. It's like this. This is kind of what most people's mindset is. It's like, I've got to obey and I've got to do to get to the love of God. But what God really wants for us is he wants love to come first, the relationship to come first. And when the relationship comes, you'll give your whole life to God. You'll follow his commands. You'll do what he says. And then his commands will not be burdensome. They won't be burdensome. All right, the next, the next thing that you got to do is don't allow condemnation. Because when you leave this place today, the enemy's going to start trying, just like he did in the garden, sneak up like a snake and start trying to, trying to deceive you and telling you, that was a load of junk what you just heard now. That was a load of junk. You know that you ain't been reading your Bible. You know, you know you ain't been praying. You know, that's why the Bible calls the devil the accuser, the accuser of the brethren. It's because he tries to pick out all your flaws and everywhere where you messed up, and he tries to put those in your face, tries to accuse you. And so the enemy will try to condemn you. He will come back. And there's this tendency for all of us, even myself, to go back into this performance-based religion when what we need is a love relationship with Jesus. And so you have to be careful to not allow condemnation. But by the way, this is not only about condemnation coming to you. It's also about condemnation going from you to others. And you can judge which tree you're in, which approach you're taking based on your view of other people, based on the way whether you're judging people or not. Like, and we all tend to do this. Like When we start to get things right in our life, that's when we're like... Can you believe Susie wearing that dress to church? That thing was so short. I wouldn't be caught dead in that dress. Like, what? Can you believe that Joey missed prayer yesterday to, to go, I don't know, do something, something stupid that wasn't as important as prayer? Can you believe, can you believe that they did that? I just can't. It's It's condemnation. It's condemnation to other people. And I just want to say, you can't even judge somebody else unless you're in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Unless you're in the wrong approach, you can't even judge somebody else because the Bible tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So we're set free from condemnation, but we're also set free from condemning others. And that is, a, that is a good gauge to know where you're at is how you're viewing others. And the last thing is we got to make the choice every day. I'm getting ready to close right here. we got to make the choice every day. Every day when we wake up, we got to make a decision. Am I going to live out of the tree of life or am I going to live out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And am I going to live today out of a relationship with Jesus or am I going to try to live out of this performance-based religion? Am I going to try to earn my salvation? Am I going to try to be good enough, try to gain God's approval? How am I going to live? We have to make this choice every single day, and it affects the way we live our lives. I'll give you this last verse. And this verse is really our call to action here today. And it says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I've set before you life and death. There's those two choices, life or death. Blessings and curses. And then at the last part of the verse, he says, now choose life. Choose life. 
Choose the right path. Choose life. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes with me today. And I just want to ask you to take a moment and think about this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he leading you to do today? Maybe there's some of you who are here and you're searching for something. You don't really know what you're searching for. I want to tell you that a relationship with Jesus is the way to God. The Bible tells us that the only way to the Father is through the Son, through Jesus, through a relationship with Him. Some of you are here, you felt the shame, you felt the loss of innocence, you felt the condemnation because you've been trying to earn your salvation. You've been in the wrong tree. Can I invite you to the other tree? I want to invite you to the real gospel, the right gospel, to the grace of Jesus, the goodness of the Lord. If you're here today, maybe you've been in church your whole life and it's been miserable because you've been doing religion and you haven't ever had a relationship with God. You never had a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're far from God never had a relationship with him. I want you to know that God's here today, that God loves you, that he wants a relationship with you, but we've got to make a decision. We've got to make a choice. So here's what I want to ask you, is if you feel something drawing you to a relationship with God and you'd say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to begin, I want to put religion to the side and I want to get a relationship with him. I want to know him. want to say yes to beginning a relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I won't ask you to stand up, but you got to decide. You got to choose. So I'm going to ask you on the count of three to just lift your hands. If you want to say yes to Jesus, just lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. I want to begin a relationship with God. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Hey, I see you. Hands everywhere. I see you. Awesome. Anyone else? I see you up top. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right here. And let's pray this all together. Jesus, thank you for paying my bill, for dying and paying a debt that I owed. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I've been living life my way, but I surrender completely to you. Come live inside of me. Transform me. Be my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's doing in your lives, for the work that he's doing in you. So um, I just want to let you know that We as a church are very proud of you, those of you who made that decision today, but also God is very proud of you. And Gary mentioned that connection card to you at the beginning of the service. If you would, if you gave your life to Christ today, you began a relationship with Jesus, would you let us know on the card by marking the box that applies under my decision today that we want to be able to celebrate what God's doing in your life, but we also want to pray for you and we want to be able to help you with next steps. And so we believe that everyone has a next step to take. Um, no matter where we're at. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is we're trying to take you on a journey, a journey to a vibrant 
life-giving love relationship with Jesus. That's what we're trying to do, all of us. That's the journey we're on. And in this box are resources that will help you to to give you some immediate next steps that you can begin taking to develop that vibrant, life-giving relationship with God. We have these available in the lobby at our next steps table uh, right by the growth track room. They're totally free of charge, so be sure to stop by today in the lobby and pick one of these up if you made a decision to begin a relationship with Jesus today. So we're going to get ready to move to the part of the service where we worship the Lord in our giving and um, I just want to say that if you're a guest, there's absolutely no pressure on you to give anything in the offering today. Um, but we would love for you to put that connection card in the container as it comes by your row. Um, we never ask that anyone give anything, that they would just do what the Lord puts on their heart. Like, we give. This is a moment of worship. And giving is worship to God. And we give because He first loved us, because He gave first. And that's why we give in response. And so... Um, But there's absolutely no pressure. We don't want anyone to feel any compulsion today. Um, As our team gets ready to service, I'm going to pray over this time together. You'll see our prayer team up front and at the end of the service. And during this last song, if you need prayer for anything at all, please just make your way down. So let's go ahead and pray together. God, we thank you so much that we get to give today. Lord, that we get to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, God, that you loved us first, Lord. And we're so grateful that we get to make an impact through serve days and outreaches and planting churches and international missions, God. And we thank you that we get to make a difference, Lord. So we pray that you would bless every person here today, God. We love you. We say this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand up together and worship, church.